This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, where we're the porn version of Ryan Tomatoes, but instead of tomatoes, it's just a dick, whether or not it's flaccid or erect. I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn, and with me... I have actually a guest co-host, Sylvia Sage. Hey, Sylvia, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am so good. And for listeners of the show, you guys might remember Sylvia from one of our earlier episodes, Pump Fiction. Yes. We had such a good time. And I know some of you are asking, where's Yvette? Uh, Well, Yvette is actually on medical leave for the fall. So we are bringing back some of your favorite past guest co-hosts and their friends, and we have a friend today. We have Josh Sabara. Wait, am I pronouncing your name? You are. You got it right on the first try. Yes. <laughs> Men say the same thing to me in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and here's Sylvia as the professional. <laughs> yeah. How do, how do you have such a good track record, Alex? Wait, are we still talking about the podcast or in bed? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that up to the listeners. People are already looking for like the Yelp of like porn and sex. <laughs> right. What is Alice's score? I wish I had a Yelp review of sex. I'd want to read it. Oh, my God. Would we actually want that? I would. Yeah, I 100% would. (laughs) I mean, isn't that what Twitter is anyway, really? Kind of. It's true. I mean, yeah, I I guess for one night stands, you know what? As long as it could be anonymous, because I feel like I would definitely be able to get better anonymous scores. Yeah, anonymous is the best way to go. Yeah. But what would the intent be of this? website? Would this be to improve people's sexual performance or would it be to, because you know, people are going to use it as a way to, you know, a punitive way to treat their ex, I guess. I say improve sexual performance because it's really hard to tell somebody to their face what they've done wrong, but it's really easy to tell your friend what they did wrong. So how easy would it be to tell the Yelp of sexuality what they did wrong? And then they could go read it and be like, ah, this whole time. I thought I was doing that right. And you're like, oh, you're so wrong. I thought I liked, they liked it when I gave tea. (laughs) (laughs) This whole time, everybody's like, oh, it's too much. Stop, 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 stop. Yeah. That's what I do when I don't like it. I'm like, oh, it's too much. Stop, 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 stop. (laughs) It's just too much pleasure for you to handle. So much pleasure. Yeah. You're killing me. But no, seriously, you're choking me too hard. I think you are killing me. Right. He almost broke my hyoid bone. Uh, Five stars. Felt like Cheryl from Archer. Yeah. Five stars. Five stars. (laughs) So, Josh, you wrote a book also called Porn Again. Yes. Okay, I'm really embarrassed. You sent me a copy and I haven't opened it yet. Oh, my God. It's so good. You have to read it, Alice. It's like you'll read it in a day. It's addicting. I mean, it doesn't come with a better cover quote than that. Yeah, I'm definitely asking Sylvia for a blurb for my third book. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Okay, so you have Enemies Closer, which is your latest, right? Enemies Closer, yes, which is a Hollywood bitchy fiction, Jackie Collins style type book. Yeah. Which I wanted to be, you know, sort of a contemporary take on those books that were very popular in the 80s, things like Judith Krantz, I'll Take Manhattan, or Iris Rayner, Dart, The Boys in the Mail Room, sort of a contemporary throwback, if that makes sense. And that came after Porn Again. What's Porn Again about for our audience? I tell people it's basically a coming-of-age memoir about coming. So it's about <laughs> uh, coming into yourself, coming out, You know, I sort of found my footing late. I was a late bloomer. I was a virgin until I was 31 years old. 
I've completely made up for lost time. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I was somebody who made my career my focus, made everything around me my focus instead of my personal life. And when I finally realized what I was sacrificing and, and not even living my truth. And that's sort of what the book's about and sort of coming to a place where I'm comfortable with myself and having to let go of the things that were keeping me from being myself. And there, there are a lot of factors. It was my personal life, the kinds of friends I was choosing, my career, plastic surgery, my looks, like everything that I was using to fill myself up other than the things that I should have been. I mean, that means different things to different people, but I was not making the right choices for myself. I don't think any of us make the right choices for ourselves. <laughs> especially in our teens and 20s. I guess we know after, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, in hindsight, fucked up my 20s, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the 20s are for fucking up and then your 30s are for fixing the things you fucked up in your 20s and then in your 40s, you can finally enjoy them. <laughs> right. My problem is, though, is that I never had that period of time, that 16 to 25, where people are making some of these choices right. because I started so late, so I sort of had a delayed adolescence. So I was behaving like I was 18 when I was 35. Right, right. So that, that's sort of part of the, the theme of the book. Yeah. And how it's never too late to sort of step into your own skin. Aw. Yes! I can't wait to read it. <laughs> well, I hope you will. And I will link it in the show notes so our audience can also read it. Great. So that said, how did you meet Sylvia? It seems like you know a lot of people in porn and I know a lot of people in porn. But why do you know people in porn? <laughs> Well, it's interesting. The reason that the book is called Porn Again is sort of in the message of the book. So I don't want to ruin it for readers. I did not work in the porn industry, but there is a reason why the book is called that and the role that porn played in my sort of finding myself. Because of that, I wound up uh, doing some radio shows and some podcasts with some great people, one of whom was Jackie St. James, whom we know and love as one of the preeminent directors of adult entertainment. And um, Jackie had mentioned to me one time we were at dinner and I think she had just done a movie with Sylvia. She knows I'm very particular about people I keep around me now. She said to me, you really need to meet Sylvia Sage. And I said, okay, you know, I'd love to meet her sometime. Maybe I'll come by when you're shooting. Then Pierce Paris, who's a friend of mine who we're going to discuss today, he, we know because he did a photo, a promotional photo shoot with me for my book and he and I became friends. And he and Sylvia are friends. And he and I were having dinner one night. And he said to me, you know who you would love? <laughs> Sylvia Stage. So now we have the second person who knows me fairly well, who's telling me I need to know her. And then our other mutual friend, Sean, who works on some of Jackie's movies, and I believe just made his directorial debut, that you're in Sylvia. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he said to me, you have to meet Sylvia Sage. So by the time the third person <laughs> whom you know and trust tells you that you need to have somebody in your life, you need to set about making contact. And I think they... So Jackie had he texted me and she said, is it okay if I just give Sylvia your number? And so I said, of course. So uh, Sylvia texted me that day. She's like, are you free for dinner tonight? And I'm like, it just so happens I am. <laughs> and Sylvia and I had dinner and love affair began. It's so true. But you know, what's funny, Alice, is people were telling me the same thing that I needed to meet this man, but I had no idea who he was. I didn't do any research. And I thought they were setting me up on a date. I had no idea <laughs> that they were setting me up on like this friendship. I was like, oh, everybody keeps telling me I need to meet this guy. Like, I'm going. Like, let's do this. <laughs> Little did she know 
Yes, I wouldn't have it any other way. Unless she had a penis, and then I would. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. If she had the right anatomy, she's absolutely my kind of guy. Oh, thank you, darling. <laughs> well, that is what strap-ons are for. <laughs> yes, right. I guess yes. we can. I guess there's ways to make anything work. Isn't there's there? always a way. <laughs> Where there's a willy, there's a way, right, Alice? <laughs> Man, I should make that my new life motto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it works for so many instances. The gym, yes. Work, yes. Mm-hmm. Affairs, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see a t-shirt and I see a two girls, one mic t-shirt where there's a willy, there's a way. Right. I- you know what? We'll team up on it and it'll become part of our official merchandise. So I would love it. <laughs> so we ended up watching and you recommended this film and I... I'm actually so embarrassed to say I never watched the original. So nine to five. I had neither until last night. I know that our, that the listeners cannot see my mouth on the floor, (laughs) especially Alice with your sense of humor. I'm a terrible person. I know I'm older than both of you, but still. (laughs) I'm always a child on this podcast. Actually, no, I take that back. Now that I'm interviewing some younger porn stars, I'm not always the young one on the show. Well, I was actually alive for the theatrical release of 9 to 5. <laughs> if that puts anything in perspective. Stop <laughs> it. And it came out in 1980. And I have to watch it because it has Jane Fonda, Dolly Parton. And I didn't realize this, but it's out of the American Films Institute's 100 Funniest Movies. It's yes. number 74. I didn't yep. know this. It was really, I and mean, this is one of the things Sylvia and I were discussing last night when we watched, we actually watched nine to five before we watched Breaking Mr. Hart, which is the adult film we're going to discuss. Yeah. It's interesting how ahead of its time the movie was in terms of equal pay, women in the workplace, all of that is very, very clearly addressed. And that was in, you know, obviously the movie came out in 1980, which means it was shot probably in 79 is my guess. So it was very forward. And we were laughing at how some of, not laughing, I mean, it's laughing through the tears, so to speak, because some of it's these issues relevant. that they were addressing then are so pertinent. Mm-hmm. I was reading the synopsis on Wikipedia, and you're right, because ultimately, so the premise of Night to M- Five, from what it seems like, is, I mean, we're all kind of familiar with the trope of the horrible boss and how do we get back at the horrible loss? And people team up to, you know, enact their revenge. But in 9 to 5, what they essentially end up doing is kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, kidnapping their boss and then bettering their workplace. Essentially, yeah. So the famous line from the movie is that he's a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. And that's the line that they repeat in the movie multiple times. Yeah. Are you sure that's just not my ex-boyfriend? <laughs> Very well be. Uh, maybe you were dating Mr. Hart. Um, so their boss is this horrible man who's extremely sexist. And he's sort of a walking me too before that movement was even you know, in the vernacular. So essentially there comes a point where they need to kidnap him. And during that time, they make the workplace a better place. Yeah. And what's really interesting is at the very end, this I found really interesting how they decided to tie up Mr. Hart's storyline in the original film, which is he does such a great job that he's promoted to, I think, like Brazil, where eventually he's kidnapped and never heard from again. So moral of the story is murder's not always wrong. 
Not when you're a racist bigot, no. <laughs> when you're a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot. Right. I think that also they, um, you know, the idea that it showed, you know, what a horrible person he was and that the advancement, but his advancement was on the backs of these women who had yes. done the work to get him to that place, which is really the message that, that I think that movie tries yeah. to drive home. Yeah. So we end up watching Breaking Mr. Hart. And I, I like that they use the main villain's name in the title. And so they at least carry that over and they've modernized it essentially. So the film. Yeah, they carried over a few things we were noticing last night. Yeah, there were a lot of nods. Yeah, the original movie. Mainly like characters, character names and things of that nature. But I mean, the premise in general was similar. But I mean, obviously, it's not quite the same because you can't have a play of being the misogynist. They still kind of did play on that, but it's just in a different way, I guess. But who am I to judge? Considering on this show, you're now a porn critic. You are to judge. (laughs) Right. So three scenarios that the guys were basically stuck in that they wanted to enact revenge on Mr. Hart. So the first guy was interesting because Mr. Hart essentially coerced him into having sex with him, but before that, putting on a tight little white Speedo. And of course, the tight little white Speedo has to come off somehow. So they decide to go the creative route and have it essentially explode. Oh my God, that was hilarious. so hard, it lands on a roof. I think we need to run this movie back one second because before we even get to the exploding Speedo, (laughs) the funniest part to me was, here we have Max Adonis, who is the employee, and he comes in, he says that he didn't bring anything to swim in. (laughs) So Mr. Hart brings out a pair of Speedos, but when Max takes his pants off, he's wearing basically boxer briefs. So what he's wearing is basically made for swimming. Right. And he has to take those off to now put on the But he takes those off completely (laughs) to put on the white Speedo so that when he kneels down, the Speedo can explode off of him and land on the roof. And there's so much fabric on the roof that you could wrap the house. Right. With 20 times more material. <laughs> and let's be clear. There's probably, what, 20 exploded Speedos on the roof? Two dozen of them? Right. How many At times least. has Mr. Hart done this? He clearly knows it works. It's his power move. Right. Clearly. But I really appreciated the underwater nudity, Cam. I don't know about you guys. I did appreciate the underwater nudity. The water was a little murky. It did need to be cleaned. But yeah. Yeah, the pool looked like it needed a, a skimming. <laughs> Where's the pool boy when you need him? <laughs> yeah, this was that porn movie where the pool boy was conspicuously absent. <laughs> and then they start giving each other hand jobs underwater until they finally move to the grass, you know, outside the house. So. Right. Where we fast forward. Right. Exactly. Well, I may have watched it again later (laughs) or maybe not. I was going to say, now you have the link so you can go home. But I was like, I don't really need to watch porn with my friend. It's just like, there comes a (laughs) point where it's the insertion. I'm like, all right, we're moving on. We're moving on. And also when you know these people or you've met these people, it is, um, I do find it a whole different thing. Yeah. Pyrrhus Paris, I think is, is such a handsome, gorgeous, strapping guy. But because I know him so well, I don't look at him in, in a sexual way at all. Right, right. So when I see that, I find it kind of hard to, to um, but we haven't gotten to his scene yet. So anyway, <laughs> I don't want to ruin the story for everyone, Alice. <laughs> no, 
But I totally relate because, I mean, and Sylvia, you get it because, you know, you become friends with people in the industry and, you know, having all these people on my show, I get to know them and they become friends and we're texting. And next thing you know, I see a scene with Tommy Pistol in it and I'm like, I don't need to see this. I know Tommy. Right. And he's texting me like, he's like, hey, Alice, can I send you like a video of me putting my dick in my butthole? And I'm like, Tommy, I don't need to see that. <laughs> I love Tommy's work. The thing about Tommy's work is it's never really sexual. That's what's hilarious about it. Tommy's the only guy who does porn who doesn't make it sexy. <laughs> and he's been working <laughs> for years and he'll never quit working. It's hilarious. He's the most comical porn person I've ever met in my entire life. But you know what I like, Alice, that you mentioned about, you know, having friendships and relationships with people whom you've seen in these movies. And, you know, the idea that these are real people behind these performers. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think Sylvia works very hard to do, particularly on her podcast. You know, she works very hard to make sure that people are aware that behind, you know, the sex worker sort of label are some wonderful, fantastic people who have a lot to offer, you know? And I love that you just mentioned that, that you have relationships with people in the industry because I think it's time for people to reframe their thinking a little bit. Oh, thank oh, you. Absolutely. <laughs> and listeners of this podcast know that, you know, porn stars are people, you know, yeah, just like right. any other creative, just like comedians, artists, musicians. Just like any other kind of work. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And people should pay for their porn because I hate what the tube sites have done. I know. But I mean, we could go on tangents. I know. Uh, but getting back to the review. Yes, breaking yes. Mr. Hart. Yes. Uh, so have we moved past the Max Adonis Dean Phoenix scene? Pretty much. We're on to okay. the sexual blackmail scene. Yes. Okay. Recording. He recorded them having sex in his home or in their home. I can't remember. Well, it looked like Missy Hart, and that was the same name from the original nine right. to five. Franklin Hart's wife was named Missy. Do you think they cast Nina Hartley just because they were like, man, she has Hart in her name. Throw her in. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm sure she's lovely, but I don't think it was because she missed a role to Meryl Streep. (laughs) Um. Excuse you, but Meryl Streep, you know, she was waiting for that call. (laughs) I know. I know. She really wanted breaking Mr. Hart. And I think between Big Little Lies season two, there just wasn't time probably. I think they probably wanted somebody that was familiar with the movie and kind of could give it a good homage because I don't think a lot of the younger girls would have even known of the movie, you know? So I think it was the... And she looks great, by the way. Right. I mean, and I joke. I mean, she did a great job and she definitely tipped her hat or wig or whatever to uh, Marion Mercer, who played that character in, in Nine to Five. So. Right. I thought it was great to sort of see her that way. Yeah, it was fun. And in a non-sexual role like that is fun. Yeah. I always love it when porn stars have non-sexual roles just for the fun of picking up acting. I do it all the time. You just want awards, Sylvia. You just want to go and get that category. I just love being on the gay porn sets. They are so much better than being on straight porn sets. And I have so much fun there. So anytime they're like, actually, I'm doing an extra for men.com tomorrow. I work as an extra for them like all the time and for dirt change. (laughs) They pay me nothing. And I show up like, yay, so happy to be here. (laughs) Here's my question. Which sets use more lube? Oh, God. Straight or gay porn? It's got to be gay. It's got to be. Is it? 
I don't know. I can't answer that. <laughs> I think so, because at least with us on straight sets, there's a lot of spit. I don't know. There's a lot of spit on gay porn, too. But I just feel like because it's all anal over there, that it, there's just a lot more loose. On a gay porn set, it's probably always necessary. Whereas on a right. straight porn set, it's, it's probably not, not yeah. necessary all the time. Fair. Yeah, unless you're me and you have a dried out pussy. And then it is always necessary. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you wake up feeling like sandpaper. I would not imagine that because whenever I see you, you look so hydrated. Oh, well, thank you. I think uh, the whole hydration just stops at my face and then my pussy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like here, it just, it just hasn't worked its way down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know somebody told me the other day, they're like, you need to change your diet. I was like, I have like the world's healthiest diet. I don't know what else I could do. I just think it's age. I think at some oh. point, age just catches up and just pulls out the moisture from your pussy. That's just what happens. I can't even speak to that. <laughs> you know, we need to get an esthetician on the show and be like, look, I, I know about moisturizing and hydrating the face. What can right? we do down there? Right? What can we do? Well, you know, there is a procedure that's, I'm sure they have this in New York. I'm sure it's all over, but the vajacial, have you heard of those? Stop, no. Vaginal facials. Mm-hmm. I don't know about this. What? Mm-hmm. But my vagina is beautiful. It doesn't need like zip popping. I can't speak to it because I don't have the anatomy nor the interest, but I would say to look that up because I know some people who have gone for, it, it's like, I, I don't know the exact procedure, but it basically is like the attention that you get on a facial, but yeah. in your vagina. Wow. So from a quick search, it looks like it's the quote revitalizing 20 minute treatment is meant to be done post bikini wax to aid the removal and prevention of ingrown hairs and acne while smoothing the skin and treating discoloration. So Sylvia, you're still going to have a dry pussy. I don't have any of that. My vagina is gorgeous outside of. I think it depends on where you go. Yeah. Alice, I think they offer more extensive services at other places. That sounds like an express vajayshal. <laughs> an express. <laughs> Can there be a drive-through vajayshal? Clearly, Sylvia needs the full sixty minutes. I, right, I need a full treatment. She wants the mask and everything. <laughs> <laughs> the hydration mask. That's what yeah. it means. The hydration mask. How do I get the dollar menu facial or vajayshal? <laughs> <laughs> What's that look like? <laughs> no way you're um, spend all the money on your vagina. There's a new song out right now, and it's like talks about like counting the money, and he hears that sound. He's like, ever since the check came in, like, do you know what I'm talking about? It's a rap song. Never mind. No. Moving on. Our audience might know. You know who you're talking to? I mean, I'm listening to Cher. And- <laughs> <laughs> You were listening to some vinyl album like, this morning that what I was like loving. Yeah, Rita Coolidge, All Time High, was which was the so theme song from, speaking of vaginas, it was the theme <laughs> song from Octopussy, which oh. was the James Bond movie in 1983. Right. Which I've also not seen. Yeah, well, we can watch that. Okay, Roger yeah. Moore and Maud Adams. I'm totally dating myself, but I'm fine with that. Doesn't he look like he's in his 20s? I love how he says he dates himself and he still looks like he's fucking 22 years old. Well, when old. my references I are know. from before both of you were born combined. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> Stop it. But I have avoided, Alice, the vinyl craze. And then it sort of hit me because the nostalgia factor, like I started, I'd be in a store and I'd see these records that I had as a kid. And I was seven or eight years old sitting in my room listening. I mean, what seven or eight year old is sitting in their room listening to Rita Coolidge all time high 
but I was. And so I have gone on this mission to sort of find any of the things I don't still have to find and buy the records that I had in the 80s. I love it. Or the late 70s. Is there a holy grail of records you're still looking for? I've found sort of all of it. One of the ones I looked for for a while was the Kids from Fame, which was a TV show based on the movie Fame. And they did an album called The Kids from Fame. Took me a minute, but I have it now. So everything's okay in the world. So your collection's complete. (laughs) Isn't it neat? (laughs) Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? (laughs) I have thingamabobs galore. Don't make me, because I'll start singing that song and it will not be good. I feel like I got so off track because we were talking about, I think it was the blackmail scene with Remy Cruz and Woody Fox, whom you also have uh, know, right? Sylvia, you know, I don't know him, but you know, I know Remy, but I don't know Woody. I know Woody. He's great. He's no longer in pornography, but he's a fantastic human being. I don't think Remy is either. Yeah. Um, Woody's in um, Circle A in um, Las Vegas. So if you head to Las Vegas and you're seeing the Cirque show, there might be your boy. Awesome. So, Flexibility yeah. comes in handy. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good hot scene, though. I will say that would have been a scene that like, I would watch. It was really hot between the two of them. I agree. I mean, there was a little bit of a blackmail scenario in, in the original 9 to 5, but this sort of took it to a, a different level. Right. I mean, that, that part of the plotting is totally off. Right. They all needed to have something against Mr. Hart, like that he had right. over them, you know? Yeah. But one thing I should also say is props to D.P. Wells, who wrote and directed this movie, because he clearly has an affinity for the source material, because even the artwork, the key art for the movie... It looks exactly like the key art from the original 9 to 5 poster. I know, right? Because when we talk a little later about some of the things that they threw in, there are these little inside nods to the movie that somebody had to have been a mega fan. Well, you're going to have to tell me because I never watched. Well, we will. Yeah. We will tell you. And then we have the third guy and his gripe with Mr. Hart and more than understandable, which is, uh, so he's seduced by Mr. Hart's assistant. And then while blindfolded fucking the assistant, Mr. Hart decides to get, have a round, which is not okay. And, uh, technically rape, right? Let's call it what right. it is, you know? So yeah, that's a problem. But there was one, there was another one where they did at least make sure that the assistant, um, I think they called him Darren or Daryl and his assistant in the movie was Dolly Parton, who was Dora Lee. So they kept the D's, you know. Good call. Didn't even notice that one. That's a good call. Yeah. Now, what was really interesting is that after he is seduced by, you know, and has this whole scenario play out with Mr. Hart, he wanders around his house. And so this is where... (laughs) I'm like, really? He goes to the backyard to like the back of the shed and there's a paper file cabinet that's like barely covered in trash bags. And in it is all of his important documents and of course, blackmail, because that's where you keep the important shit in something that's easily going to be destroyed in the next thunderstorm. Easily. Right. In your backyard, <laughs> under a tarp. <laughs> Barely. I cannot say anything to this because like, if you were to ever break into my apartment, I would be the easiest person to rob because my safe is carryable. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, they don't even need to unlock it. They can just leave with it. <laughs> they take it. You just take it away. 
It's not that heavy. <laughs> I'm not sure that a portable safe makes any sense. I thought I was being all clever and then I had to tell a friend where it was when I was out of town and they were like, this is the worst safe ever. I was like, yeah, probably is. It's like those soda cans or those pet rocks that people hide keys in keys? outside or they put, That's exactly they put jewelry in the refrigerator. They yeah. put like, they have a can that looks like RC Cola. Right. But it just says like R Cola. <laughs> and people keep in their fridge with jewelry because yeah. who wouldn't go look for the first off-brand thing? <laughs> yeah, that's me with my important paperwork and cash. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, nothing good happens under a tarp. Yeah. So maybe Mr. Hart is more relatable than we think. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he's just not good at And also, like, the kind of business that they're all in is very vague. I did hear something yeah. in the first scene where they talked about it being something mutual funds or something other, but it was very vague. A nine to five was sort of like that too. I was going to say, I'm not sure what they did in nine to five. Yeah. Right. The company was called Consolidated and it had something to do with the shipping or transport of goods, but right. it was a little vague as to what the company itself did. And right. if Breaking Mr. Hart was going for the same thing, they sort of nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Oh, this is so off topic, but I know you mentioned pet rocks before. I mean, maybe they were in that business. I mean, do you guys know how many pet rocks were sold? I know this sounds so silly. No, but please tell me. No, but I know it is a huge, it's like a big thing, right? There were 1.5 million pet rocks sold. That's fucking crazy. Oh, sorry. Can I say that? I'm sorry. Of course. Dude, we're on a porn podcast. Okay. No, Sylvia, (laughs) we're going to need you to clean up your act for this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I always tell people, like, I do not do clean comedy. Don't put me in that room. <laughs> like, I don't even know when F-bombs come out of my mouth. It just happens. Don't put me around your children. Don't put me in a church, and we'll be fine. If people put me around their children, it's their fault. It's, I say the I, same. Right? Like, I cannot contain this. They need to be accountable. <laughs> right. They had the children, not me. It's not my doing. <laughs> Look, in my defense, you're going to have to explain this stuff to your children anyway. It's just, right. it's not my fault that they have to learn what a cum slut is early on in life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ta- okay. Teach them young. Teach them young. That's what I say. But how many people get to learn and then have an in the flesh example at, right there at the same time? You know, <laughs> so you really, you really are providing a service. <laughs> Mommy, what's a cum slut? Well, honey. You're looking. <laughs> Damn, that's not even wrong. It's mommy's friend, Sylvia. And she- yeah. <laughs> Imagine like if mommy were to go to a water park, but it's all white. Right. <laughs> right. With lots of dicks coming out of her face. I think that's the good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> lots of fountains. Fountains. <laughs> I've just pictured lazy river of semen. Oh, my God. Oh. I feel like I've been there. A sex-themed, adult-themed park would be great, right? Japan should get on it. Yeah. Like, there could be, like, a tip-of-the-penis revolving restaurant. Uh, Oh, my God, yes. Where you go up to the top and it goes around. (laughs) Just think of all the things we could do. What would be the teacup ride instead of spinning teacups? Clearly a butthole. Oh, yeah, it would be some kind of, it would be called like the rim wheel. Yeah, get in the rim, yeah. Yeah. When mommy has to go to the ATM, it's a different kind of ATM. Ass to mouth, baby, ass to mouth. But it would be interesting to have a sex-themed theme park, wouldn't it? This should have been Walt Disney's vision from the beginning. He needed to drop the anti-Semitism. It probably was Walt Disney's vision and he got obscured. I feel like Walt Disney was a dirty fuck. 
So <laughs> he put dicks in like all of his movies, every single one. He failed us. Okay, so wait, so we have the character going and finding his personal information in Mr. Hart's backyard yes. under a tarp. Yes. And then we find out that apparently once he's confronted by Nina Hartley and decides to just chat with her and have some drinks, uh, she actually owns the company. So Mr. Hart actually married into the job. Right. And the only reason that they haven't separated is because of the prenup. So right. the prenup that completely works in her favor yes. in that if he ever has an affair, the entire fortune goes to her. Right. Exactly. So they come up with a plan. She's on the beach in Australia at some point. Yes. (laughs) And she makes the world's fastest flight back from Australia. I have flown from Australia. That shit is nightmarishly long. It is 17 hours. No jet lag. No time difference. Her weave was on point. She had gloves. She had a red dress. I mean, she was like dressed to kill (laughs) sometimes store clothing. Yeah. And they expect this Australian flight to land on time. So that way, two of the other guys can be seducing and having a pillow fight with Mr. Hart. And then, of course, she'll end up coming home and walking in early on him breaking his prenup clause. And the pillow fight was funny because it was so... Did you see how going through the motions they were with the pillow fight? Like, no feathers flying. It was just... (laughs) Just a hit, a one to the two, yeah. It was staged combat. (laughs) The plan does not go as it's supposed to, obviously, because what do men want? Anything they can't have. So when he could have sex with these people, when they were bringing it to him, he, of course, had wanted nothing to do with it. So what did he have to do? Did he poison him? I can't even remember now. Was that what happened? Yes, he put poison he right. did use poison to knock out Mr. Hart. Now, if you'll recall, in the original <laughs> 9 to 5, there is a plot line whereby the Lily Tomlin character accidentally poisons Mr. or thinks she poisons Mr. Hart because instead poison. of using skinny and sweet, she uses rat poison in right. his coffee. And so that was definitely a nod to yeah. the original. So I was watching, actually, the scene where... Mr. Hart is clearly knocked out on the couch. And then the two other guys who came in to seduce him just end up fucking next to him. So my boyfriend walks in and he's like, is that guy dead? (laughs) He did look dead. But also, I think we're not giving enough attention to the CGI and special effects for this film. Because during this sequence, you may have noticed that while Mr. Hart is passed out and the other two gentlemen are engaging in sexual activity, they're taking pictures of themselves with the passed out body. Mm-hmm. And we see screenshots, still shots next to the video. Yeah. Did I miss this? The whole budget had to have gone to CGI. Oh, no. I need to go back and watch this. <laughs> I didn't spend it on only the exploding underwear. <laughs> Yeah, and this flooding underwear was, this puts that to shame. Shit. Yeah. They uh, definitely brought in their highest paid editor and splashed uh, a few photos on the screen next to the sex. So Full shots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Supermodel. God damn it. It was great. It was great. It was great. And then we find that Mrs. Hart says that her husband has been sent to Brazil just like in nine to five. Yeah, she walks in, finds him, and they're done. That's the end. And then you'll notice there's one point where Pierce pulls out a name on a card. I think it's, I don't know if it's supposed to be, if it's his file. And on the card, it says that the name is Cole Higgins. 
And Colin Higgins is the person who wrote and directed the original Nine to Five. And only you would have picked that out. Yeah. What a nice nod. D.P. Wells, who put this together, clearly is a fan of the original movie because, I mean, it would take another huge fan, which is me. Yeah. (laughs) Or I should say, which is I, (laughs) to notice that. What I found interesting is that they chose to do a CD instead of a hard drive in 2018. Maybe that also was a um, a nod. Although I don't think in 1980 they even. I mean, we didn't have CDs, so. Right. I mean, didn't you notice Sylvia? Like in nine to five, like even they were had their landline telephones. Yeah. And they even had the thing that holds it. Shoulder attachment. Holds the receiver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> holds the receiver up to their ear. Yep. And you <laughs> thought that was like such a cool thing to have because I used to have one of those when I worked in corporate America, and I thought it was awesome because I was on the phone all the time. It was so convenient. But it is interesting to go back and see certain movies, you know, and having to take them for what they are. Like right. before there were cell phones or before there were, because now how many thrillers would we see that would be wrapped up in two seconds? Right, right. Like not, nine million of these movies from 1980, if you went back and a- added a cell phone, cell phone in, the whole problem would be solved. <laughs> Gossip Girl wouldn't exist. And that was in the early 2000s. Right, right. There you go. Actually, uh, Seinfeld, I felt like most of the scenarios could have been cleared up with a text message. A text, right, yeah. It's funny how some time and advancements can really change plotting. Right. It's character driven stuff that you go back and you watch that doesn't, I mean, like the themes of nine to five, you can take all of the rest of this out of it, the things that we're talking about, and the themes are still so relevant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wasn't Horrible Bosses built on the same premise? Kind of similar, yeah. But they had different bosses, not one boss, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody kind of, I feel like, has had one boss at some point in time that they just want to stick it to. So for it sure. is so relatable anyway. so yeah. And having worked in Hollywood for 25 years, I had some of the worst that exist. Do you want to spill? I think you hear about some of them in porn again. I was going to say, and you did kind of stick it to them. So in, in the most literal sense. People get what they deserve, don't That's they? That's true. And true. it's funny how, you know, you, you know, it's the funniest thing is you get people who will show up at book signings who have an entirely different idea of what your relationship with them was. Mm-hmm. You know, like years later, they show up. It's like the frenemy type people who you know are the first people to buy your work. Right, right, they right. they want to yes. see. And I will get some of those people. Like you should see sometimes, like it's shocking, like who I'll see show up at certain things. And I always yeah. just write in their books things like, wishing you all the happiness you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> Because really only they know how much that is. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's why sometimes if I'm having a shitty day and someone is being an ass to me, I'll just say, I hope your day is as pleasant as you are. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The best thing is when you can, you know, when you can say those little things to somebody who's not being good to you and you can say something that's one of those like little, like nuanced, hidden gems that you can pat yourself on the back for. They don't even know they've been insulted and you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> you mean every shower moment I've ever had? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clearly, yes. So does a story from porn again, out of curiosity, come to mind? Because, I mean, I know I'm going to read the whole thing, but you mentioned like a boss sticking it to. The purpose of it is not to stick it to anybody. And I didn't name anybody. And I, you know, some of, of them are not. composites of people. But it was to sort of show how... The industry has a way, if you're somebody who already doesn't feel good about yourself, which was me for a very long time, never feeling good enough. And 
you know, working in Hollywood is one of the worst places that you can look for your sense of self. Right. So that was really, you know, I sort of turned a hobby and a passion into a career, but it was really the worst thing for my spirit because I was working with people who, you know, just want to beat you down or, you know, Hollywood's an industry where it's very easy to fail upward. You know, there's very little about it science. It's more of a, it's not a quantifiable business. Yes, you know how many, you know, how much money a movie made at the box office or whatever, but it's very easy to sort of be mediocre and succeed. And so (laughs) people are very territorial and they want to stay in their jobs. Amen to that. Yeah. And people want to stay in their jobs and they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be found out. It's like the emperor's new clothes. Right. And so the easiest way to do that is to put other people down and make people feel not good about themselves. And I feel like I dealt with that for a lot of years. And as somebody who already didn't feel good enough, it was the last place to look for self-esteem. Yeah. And it's so easy to, I mean, God, not have self-esteem in LA. Jesus, I went (laughs) over for one week. There's two situations I ever feel that I need to go to the gym more. (sighs) And the first is whenever I'm at a, porn conference or the specifically the <laughs> AVNs, holy shit, you ladies are racehorses. <laughs> like your bodies are just ridiculous. Right. But also you have to remember that Sylvia is in the business of being beautiful. Yeah. I know. You know? My job. Yeah. And her job is to look time. like that. I so, know. I mean, I admire I it and I, I think it's amazing that she's as gorgeous as she is, but you know, I look at these guys, like I look at Pierce. I'm not putting you down. Trust me. I, <laughs> no, of course. It is ultimate fitspo. That's all I'm saying. Believe me, I look at like Pierce, like we go out to dinner and I see how he eats and how he is to stay looking a certain way. Yeah. And you see, I mean, in Breaking Mr. Hart, his body's on full display. And I yeah. will never be that person. I am never going to have those abs because I am always going to have pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and then I say to everyone else, eat your salad and be sad, but I'm right. going to have my pizza. Wait, we came up with another shirt. Eat your salad and be sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Okay. So uh, that said, we do have some patrons to thank. So this week we want to thank Bethany Aiden Ferenstock. Mike Serbetsko, Priest Pilot, Elisa Falco-Hyfing, Andrew Gore, Matthew Kolb, Rowdy, Stephen Jones, Bob Dole, Brentel, Neil Halstrom, Neil Simpson, Michael Gadd, and many, many others. And by the way, if you want to become a patron yourself, just hop on over to patreon.com slash two girls on Mike. It's also in the show notes. And if you want to help Yvette out with her medical fund, just head over to cybabe.com. You can follow all of our stuff and shenanigans on either our Facebook, our website, our Twitter account, TGOM podcast. But Sylvia and Josh, where can our listeners find more of you guys? Yeah, you can find me online. Um, Sylvia Sage, S-I-L-V-I-A-S-A-I-G-E. You can find me on all social media platforms there, or you can find my podcast, Sexy Funny Raw on all places where you can find podcasts, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher. And you can also find my second podcast, Sexual Disorientation with Dr. Romney DeBasla on iTunes and all podcast platforms. And I will link to those in the show notes. And Josh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Josh Sabara, J-O-S-H-S-A-B-A-R-R-A. And on Facebook at Josh Sabara Author. My books are available on Amazon or wherever books are sold, Barnes and Noble, you name it. And I love hearing from people. So, you know. So send all the hate mail to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Whatever you need to get out of your system, that's fine. 
Perfect. So we will link to the hate mail address in the show notes as well. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, as long as people are paying attention. Yeah, true. As long as they have a point of view. Yes. Well, uh, I say that until I hear a shitty point of view. (laughs) Well, exactly. (laughs) But guys, thanks for tuning in this week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.